Greetings, everyone. I'm Sophia Chai, Assistant Director of the ASHP Innovation Center, and thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting, focusing on innovation in pharmacy. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. So what is acute hospital at home? Here's a spoiler, it's not new and it isn't just in the United States. In the 1970s, um, there were studies that showed value, people do better at home than they do in the hospital. Nothing really happened again until the 1990s when Johns Hopkins proved the safety and the cost effectiveness of the program, but it never really took off to a great extent. So fast forward to March of 2020, when CMS promoted their Hospital Without Walls program. It's a temporary approval that was given to hospitals during this pandemic um, to decant the hospitals and to help with staffing issues. And it expands the care for Medicare patients via two waiver options. There is an expedited and there's also a detailed waiver. We went for the expedited in our system. It is limited to specific diagnoses. Patients have to have an in-person exam prior to enrollment, and they can only be admitted through an emergency room or from an inpatient unit back to their house. They receive two in-person daily visits and at least one evaluation by a nurse. And it requires weekly or monthly reporting of patient volumes, unanticipated mortality, escalation rates, safety, and a patient list. So why are we gonna send somebody home when they were just obviously sick enough to come to us to be hospitalized? So Leff and colleagues looked at this um, in 2007 and they really wanted to look at comparing the stress on the families um, and the patients compared to traditional inpatient services. Now at the time they did not have a pandemic, but they did note that patient visitation was not affected. And at least in our health system, we did have periods during the pandemic where patients had no visitation um, possible. They saw increased physical activity in the patients that were at home. There was a decreased risk of getting institutionalized or going to a nursing home. They saw decreased length of stay, decreased readmissions, decreased utilization of lab tests and diagnostics. And they also found that the patient care load, the burden was not passed on to the family members, which was a great patient and family satisfier. There are also a bunch of organizational benefits. We see increases in quality, safety, equity, and effective care. And as we just said, patients at. We see decreases in mortality, escalation rates, costs, and lengths of stay. So guess what? If your hospital or your system is on a journey, ASHP has some wonderful references out there. So we took some screenshots. Um, the top reference there uh, gives some lessons learned from hospitals that have uh, started on this journey. Um, the Johns Hopkins Toolkit is also on there. They go through the different types of acute hospital at home care models. So sometimes the inpatient pharmacy does all the dispensing. Sometimes it's home care and infusion centers. Some sites have contracted out to retail sites and also um, infusion. One site even secured pharmacy little kiosks into the patient's home and took videos. 
and I have nothing to disclose, but there is another, um, there is another presentation on Tuesday at 2.45 if you're here on, uh, I believe it's a South Dakota hospital that is doing the same type of program. If you're in leadership like I am and you need to sell the program to your executives, there is also the considerations for pharmacy and organizational leadership. With that, I'll pass it off to Jody. Thanks. So what was the ask and the task? So the ask was um, for us to start a pilot program uh, with no new FTEs and the promise was you know, let's start out slow and we can uh, have a limited number of admissions at first and a certain number of patients during a, a focused number of hours. But looking at the perfect admission process, we see that patients um, first get evaluated based on their diagnosis within the waiver and if their vital signs and their needs um, were appropriate for the program. Looking at patient specifics, we need to make sure that their requirements for their home are appropriate for uh, the home care or hospital at home program. They need to have access to the internet so that they could have their Zoom calls and be able to communicate with the remote nurses. And then they would be admitted to the acute hospital at home hospital, uh, of which there were two hospitals within our system. Patients, uh, if they were eligible and enrolled into the program, they would be transported home via ambulance. And um, with the coordination of care, there were multidisciplinary teams that had an admission Zoom call with the patient and uh, possibly their family members there as well, where they would go through the, the, pro or, you know, the history present illness and evaluate the patients. And pharmacy was in coordination with that initial Zoom call doing home medication reconciliations. Uh, and along with that, then pharmacy would get their uh, medication orders in IV therapies and process new medication orders for the patients as well. We would also then coordinate deliveries with a courier service to get their medications and supplies delivered and then have delivery follow up with them too. So the perfect stay throughout discharge, as I mentioned, patients were visualized by the nurses um, with the remote uh, Zoom calls and whatnot. Medications were documented on the electronic medical record and live home visits occurred as well. There were multidisciplinary rounds on a daily basis and uh, there was notification of new orders and deliveries of medications and supplies that occurred throughout uh, the patient's admission. Upon discharge, supplies and medications were removed from the home, and for follow-up, bills were on hold until the medication administration verification was completed so that accuracy could be assured. So for implementation of the process, uh, how do we fit? So there are two hospitals uh, that had patients that had the CMS um, waiver. So University Hospitals Ahuja Medical Center, that's on the east side of Cleveland, and University Hospitals Elyria Medical Center on the west side of, of the city. Uh, these hospital locations, like I said, had the CMS waivers associated with it. At University Hospitals Ahuja Medical Center, there was a team of four clinical specialists who had weekly call rotations for um, participating in the program. At UH Elyria, there were two primary pharmacists who rotated. Um, and both of which uh, their hospital pharmacy uh, colleagues and staff 
uh, had a had a playing or played a role in the process as well to support uh, the program, especially when uh, those primary pharmacists were uh, remotely managing patients. Additionally, our home care pharmacy um, was involved in the program, and there was a central location for the acute hospital at home nurses uh, where they identified eligible patients and managed the program remotely. I'm going to go through now our process and evolution timeline from our pharmacy perspective uh, with regards to the program. So looking at our evolution timeline, in April of 2021, our program was started and at the time, the home care pharmacy was the lead pharmacy for, for taking care of these patients. Since patients were technically uh, admitted to uh, our hospitals, Liria and Ahuja, orders were entered into our electronic medical record uh, known as UH Care. But those orders needed to be transcribed into the home care pharmacy program and um, those systems didn't communicate with one another, so they needed to be manually entered into the home care uh, pharmacy system. We also needed to identify communication and notification, uh, how do we work this process and program, uh, and so email groups were uh, created so that it could include all possible team members so that they could have notification of Zoom meetings and rounds and whatnot. And there were Doc Halo groups that were created as well, not only for the pharmacy groups specifically, but also for the entire team. This allowed for real-time communication with the uh, providers and um, uh, you know, all, of the, all of the players involved uh, to take care of the patients. It was great that it was real time, but one of the downfalls was that there were these groups that were created and they were not adjustable groups. Uh, so on some of the groups, there were like 60 people included in the, in the Doc Halo group. Another issue with our home care services providing care for our patients was that they didn't have adequate access to many of the oral medications that these patients were taking or had orders for. So oftentimes they would have to contact the hospital uh, group or the hospitals in order to get appropriate medications or order things that they weren't going to use in the future. So with that, uh, in August of 2021, there was a change made to the program where uh, the hospital pharmacies took over as being the primary pharmacies for the program. So the home care was still involved in order to provide the IV medications for the patients in the program. Uh, once, the, once the hospitals took over as the, the primary pharmacies, there were a lot of things that we tackled uh, over, the t over the course of the time. Staffing shortages with not only pharmacy technicians, but nursing staff was also short at the time. We were all doing whatever we could to take care of patients however we could at that time uh, during, during the pandemic surge and whatnot. But with the pandemic surge uh, and the patients who were in the hospital at home program, we were getting pretty good at taking care of those patients who um, you know, had the primary diagnosis of COVID. We also had to uh, you know, identify ways to get to patients, uh, not only get patients home safely, but also um, get their medications and deliveries out uh, in some winter storms and whatnot too. So we tackled all these different things. And through all of this, uh, as the patients, or as the home care program began to grow, uh, the multiple teams being involved started to become uh, a little bit 
inefficient uh, due to having different teams taking care of IV and oral medications and communication challenges due to that as well. So an evolution again, um, or an, another change occurred in February of 2022. Uh, this is when our hospital pharmacies absorbed all of the IV dispensing in addition to the oral medication dispensings. Um, so we did, yeah, all the IV, PO, and supplies associated with these patients. We did involve home care in patients when we needed to give IV medications via pump. So for like example, if patients needed Zosin and they needed to have it on a pump, uh, then home care would be involved. But we did our best in order to try to make therapeutic recommendations that would um, be alternatives so that that wouldn't necessarily be necessary or needed. The program also continued to grow, which brought the challenges of training for providers uh, and the hospital at home staff. Those, um, there were more nurses being included in taking or you know, admitting patients, more residents and APPs being involved in taking care of these patients. So with all of that, we were, you know, we were becoming efficient in our processes, processes, but with these new people coming in, we had to get them on board and understand all of the things that we've worked through in order to make the process efficient. Another thing with the, with the growing pains, timing was also uh, an issue. When patients, you know, as we had received more patients or admitted more patients to the program, oftentimes admissions weren't occurring until late into the evening. Sometimes there were Zoom calls at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. at night, which made it very difficult to send out medications and supplies to patients in the middle of the night. So we wanted to make sure that they had everything in case they needed it uh, at all times. So that, that was a big challenge too. So in addition to, uh, you know, the pharmacist or well, one of the things as, as pharmacists who were taking care of patients uh, in the hospital on this program, we had to think differently and take on the role of a home care pharmacist. I am a trained cl critical care uh, clinical specialist. I'm also the RPD for our residency program. And so taking on the role of a home care pharmacist was different. And you had to think of those processes involved in, in taking care of patients at home in a different location. So we had the intake of orders on the Zoom calls with their medication rec, um, you know, the, those processes. Um, we had to fill the orders, um, picking the drugs from the Omnicell carousel, getting the IV prepared um, from our already stretched technicians who are taking care of patients um, who are busy or taking care of patients in the hospital, um, and also trying to estimate the number of doses that needed to be sent out when estimating length of stay or looking at beyond use dating for medications that needed to be sent out, trying to think of all those things and limit the number of deliveries as well. We had to label and um, obviously check the medications. Um, outpatient labels were necessary for uh, these patients, although they were hospital admitted to the hospital, they needed to have outpatient labels on those medications. And so our inpatient EMR doesn't link to uh, or doesn't have all of those criteria so we needed to use different labels on our z printer and we needed to do some arts and crafts to make it compliant with what the um, what the requirements were so we took care of those things um, we also needed to pack the supplies so there were iv start kits to think about 
who knew that there were disposable IV poles? I had no idea. So like those were things that needed to be into the um, deliveries for these patients. We also need to think about the numbers of needles and syringes and um, all the supplies, MDIs with spacers, all of those kind of things needed to be included in the delivery for those patients. This process, although it seems like it could be easily streamlined, we still needed to take care of patients individually. So just because you know a common disease states that we were taking care of, it wasn't standardized for each patient because many of them had different, different needs. Uh, in addition, we also had to think of delivery and tracking. Uh, we needed to call the courier and get the delivery sent and, um, and packed. Uh, so we needed to estimate the arrival time so that the nurses could have the visits scheduled accordingly. And we even had to answer calls from the courier to, you know, where the patient wasn't answering the door. What do we do with these medications now? Um, so all of these things were, were things that we had to think about. Another uh, thing that I, I uh, forgot to mention about was uh, other things like supply issues. Um, there was a tubing shortage uh, while we were taking care of patients in this time frame. And so we had to, you know, contact the providers about changing medications from IV infusions to push antibiotics instead in order to try to conserve any of the IV tubing that we actually did have in stock. So a lot of things uh, to think about. And um, with that, we also wanted to, again, think about the um, care providers and how they take care of patients. Uh, they needed to communicate in a different way in order to, um, you know, the, like uh, plans changing. We already had medications sent out, and then the new providers would change plans. So we needed to uh, get orders from them. Uh, we also uh, had, uh, to have them think about plan care determination using PO meds instead of IV if possible. Electrolyte replacement, trying to uh, think about, you know, be one step ahead of the orders because there's a lag time of giving labs back instead of, you know, waiting to give potassium or waiting for an order to be ordered, thinking about it and asking about those things if they should be sent prior to, uh, again, in order to decrease uh, deliveries. Um, insulin sliding scale is different at home as well as using alternative th supplements and therapies uh, and missing doses you know we would often get calls from the from the EMT saying patients can't find their medications when we knew that we had delivered them there's not an omnicell that they can go into and just grab a, a missing dose so those were challenges and again uh, things to work out and think about for the program going forward side effects to the team uh, again, fatigue and burnout were very real. Um, having these one-week on-call uh, schedules when we were trying to take care of our patients in the ICU and our other practice areas, trying to, to do our other jobs in addition to the hospital at home process. And as I mentioned about the communication, those doc halos, because they were group doc halos, we were, not be able to, we were not able to be removed from those notifications. So even when we weren't on call, we were still getting all of the notifications for um, new admissions or requests for um, missing doses and, and all of those kinds of things. I think I mentioned the rest of these other things. We did have additional uh, premium pay for time that we did spend outside of our usual hours. And I mentioned the one week uh, schedule on call that we had.
So I'm happy to say that in July of 2022, um, our colleagues at Portage Medical Center took over the program as they have a retail pharmacy uh, and a hospital pharmacy. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. As she said, we consolidated uh, to a different hospital, not within the waiver, in July of 22. Uh, they did get new, two new clinical pharmacist positions approved, and any work that is done, any drug costs associated with anything from the acute hospital at home is still cost transferred back to the two uh, hospitals within the waiver. Um, in Ohio, as Jody said, everything has to be outpatient labeled. So they can do that much easier with their embedded retail pharmacy. They just don't adjudicate anything through the, the patient's um, pharmacy benefits. Controlled substances up until this point had been out of scope. Um, Ohio has a PMP reporting that's required called ORS. And because UH Portage does have a retail pharmacy, controlled substances are sent in very small quantities, belong to the patient, and can go out and be reported to the, to the Board of Pharmacy. So here's a sample of our reportable outcomes and data. We are now, um, we have a daily census as of today. Right now our census is four. We're up to 372 admissions and our length of stay has dropped from 3.31 days uh, to 3.28. But our 30-day um, readmissions has gone up just a little bit. And here was a breakdown in September as to the different diagnoses and patient types that we had. We did at some point begin with the commercial patients. Um, they were different um, insurances decided to join the fund. So Jody went through all of the pain points that we had, but to be perfectly honest, the program is expanding and I have a mother who is in her 70s and I would rather have her in her house, if humanly possible, than in a hospital. So expanding this is great for the patients. The new systems that are being used at Portage, they have medication tracking, so they're using the courier service, so it's like FedEx, you can see right where your stuff is, and there's none of this, um, how long is it gonna be till it gets there. The reorganization uh, to one site, I put all my eggs in that basket, I fought so hard and I won. It never ever happens like that, but it's really great for the patients and it's really helped the, um, the team members. We are tracking outcomes and reimbursement, and this is really an innovative and opportunity for workforce and for the work um, workflow to think differently and to try new things. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to visit www.ashp.org innovation for more ways ASHP is helping to innovate pharmacy practice. And check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Sophia Chai from ASHP Official, and thank you for listening.